This message comes to you from City Bible Church in Portland, Oregon, where we are committed to living like Jesus and sharing His love. It is our prayer that this message blesses and enriches your life. This morning, we're going to uh, finish a series that we have been on called Overcome. And over the last six weeks, we've been talking about what it means to be an overcomer. We recognize that every single person that is in this place is like the person next to them. That is that we face challenges and we face trials and there are certain things that come our way. We could call them obstacles, tribulations. And the reality is, is that all of us face those challenges. We're all broken people in an imperfect world, in an imperfect church, needing Jesus to help us to overcome all of those challenges that come our way. And we've been looking at different topics. We looked at overcoming stress, overcoming worry, overcoming fear, overcoming bad habits, overcoming offenses. We've been looking at all different kinds, even overcoming temptation. And these are things that all of us face, and with God's help, we can overcome. And we've been looking at this one scripture. It's been our pilot scripture the entire time. We read it every time because hopefully you'll memorize it and you'll live it out. First John 4, 4, this is again, John speaking to people that were going through a lot of challenges and a lot of trials. And he says this to the people of that day as well as to us today. He says, you, personalizes it, you are from God little children. He wants to remind you of your position, that God is your father. He loves you. He cares for you. He supplies all of your needs. He protects you. And he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords and that we're his children. And he goes on and he says that we have overcome that word overcome right there, overcome them because greater is he speaking of Jesus who lives in you than he that lives in the world. And if you have asked Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior, and he resides in your heart, positionally, you are an overcomer. Whether you feel like it or you don't feel like it, whether you have faith that day or you don't, the fact of the matter is you are an overcomer because Christ lives in you. And we've been looking at this one statement, and hopefully you get this, you write it down, soap on your mirror, whatever you want to do. It's this one thought, because Christ lives in me. Come on, say this with me on the screen. Because Christ lives in me, I can overcome anything and everything that comes my way. I love those words, anything and everything. That might sound like a hyper-faith statement, but the reality is whatever pressure you're facing, challenge, addiction, thought, struggle, emotional trauma, something that's happened to you, the Bible's telling us this. You can overcome anything and everything. Why? Because Christ lives in you. That word overcomer simply just means this, one who prevails. When God talks about you, when he thinks about you, he thinks of you as a prevailer. He thinks of you as a conqueror, as a victor. He's saying, I've given you everything that you need 
to overcome anything. Why? Because I'm the king of kings. I can, again, I can grow spark plugs on cactus plants. I'm God. I can do anything. And if I'm in you, there is nothing that is impossible for me. That's what he says. So this morning, we're going to take another jump in our series. And we're going to talk about something that is a challenge for every person that hears my voice in this room and online. We're going to talk about overcoming financial pressure. Let me give a little bit of a qualifier at the beginning. This is not a tithing message. This is not a message asking for anybody's money. This is a message simply dealing with the fact that you, like me, face financial pressure. And there's things that Jesus talks about that will help us to overcome that challenge in our life. Let me just ask the question this morning. How many of you here today would say, and be honest, that I face some form of financial pressure in my life? Just wave at me. Okay, look around the room, okay? How many that didn't raise their hand have faced financial pressure one time or another in their life? Wave at me, come on. Okay, how many that didn't raise your hand grew up with some rich daddy and, no, just kidding, but the reality is this. Here's the reality. Every one of us face these pressures. There was a a survey that was just done and it was done by the American Psychological Association and they did a survey about stress. And what they found through this survey is that most stress that Americans today face is around the area of finances. 36% of all Americans surveyed said this, whenever money is discussed, I feel uncomfortable. That means 36% of you right now are already uncomfortable because we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about your money. It went on to find out that 72% of people surveyed said that they often are stressed out about money. 26% said they are always stressed out about money. And only 2% said they don't face financial stress in their life. It'd be a very small, small portion. Talking to different marriage and family therapists, they would say that one of the number one challenges that marriages actually face today is financial problems. 80% of all divorces start because of financial issues, tensions between husband and wife around the area of finances. And when you think about this, again, if 100% of us this morning are affected with finances, you would think that Jesus or the Bible would have a lot to say about it. When you look at the Bible, you find that over 500 times, God talks about prayer. Over 500 times, the Bible talks about faith. When it comes to money, the Bible talks about it over 2,000 times. We find even Jesus himself You would think that his number one teaching would be around the area of healings or miracles or church or salvation. He teaches more about money than heaven and hell combined. 
In fact, when you look at the parables, you find 16 out of 38 parables, almost 50% of his teaching in parables had to do with stewardship. And you have to stop back and say, well, is it because he was just kind of like materialistic or money focused or was he being stingy? Was he trying to get in your grill? No, he, he talked about it a lot because he knew it was an issue with every one of us. He knew it was a challenge that we all faced. He knew that the effect of money on your life was bigger than you realize. The way it controls you and manipulates you and causes you to think or do things that you shouldn't be doing. He knew our hearts. And so he says, you know, I'm going to talk about this whole idea of money a whole lot. In fact, what we find is with Jesus, his very first sermon ever was on money. Come on, imagine being a new, a new preacher in town and you're wanting to start a new church and the first time you're ever gonna preach, you're going, hey, I'd like to welcome you all here today. <laughs> hey, I'm so glad you're here. I'm the new guy in town. We're gonna talk about cash. I mean, it's probably not a good starting point. I mean, you think about Jesus. I mean, can we talk like about like love and peace and grace? He goes, nope, I'm gonna start with money. This is where I'm gonna start. And actually, when you go to your Bibles in Matthew 6, we see his first sermon. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. And he starts the Sermon on the Mount by talking about your cash, your wallet, your money. And I wanna read these 15 verses to you. And I want you to hear what Jesus is saying to you and me And then we're going to unpack these thoughts today to help us better understand how you and I can overcome financial pressure in our life. So if you have your Bibles, if you'd open up to Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 34, it'll be on the screen. I want to read this to you. He starts off, here's his opening scripture, his opening statement. Don't store up treasures here on earth. I mean, he just starts like hooking a fire hose up to your lips. Hey, don't do it. It's amazing. He just, he comes out and says it. Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Instead, store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Your eye is a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is good, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is bad, your body is filled with darkness. And if the light that you think you have is actually darkness, speaking about deception about your finance here. He says how deep that darkness really is. No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You can't serve both God and money. That is why I tell you, do not worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink or whether you have enough clothes to wear. This is where he's speaking to the ladies right here. It's it's part about clothes and stuff, about shoes and stuff like this. Greek word for clothes here is Nordstrom. He's saying this. All all the guys said, amen, baby, come on. 
isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? He says, look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns for your heavenly father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? I mean, he's really on this clothing thing. I'm sorry. Just Thank you, Jesus. Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing. Here he is again. Wonderfully, excuse me, yet Solomon in all of his glory was not dressed as beautiful as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have such little faith? Don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly father already knows your needs. I'll say it again. Your heavenly father already knows your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. Live righteously and he will give you everything that you need. So don't worry for tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. I love this. Today's troubles, they're enough for today. I mean, you read that and it's just like, let's do an altar call right now. Okay, Jesus, we just all, we... I mean, what a, what a, what a powerful portion of Scripture. You start reading it and you start feeling all nice and you smile. Then he kicks your teeth in, right? And so you're feeling comfortable and then all of a sudden you're feeling convicted and you're feeling challenged and then you squirm a little bit and you start reading this and you begin to realize, you know what? I really am challenged by what he's saying here. I think if we're all honest with ourselves, we give a whole lot more attention to our things than we do our king. And he's after this. We're going to talk about this. And this morning, I want to just talk about how do we be an overcomer in these areas? If you just read these 15 verses, you need everything, excuse me, you have everything that you need to be an overcomer when it comes to the area of financial pressures. Jesus just gave you Financial Peace University in 15 verses. He says, do this and you won't have the pressure. And so I want to talk about financial pressure, know what causes it, know what to do with it, and know how to keep from allowing it in our lives. This morning, let's just start by talking about financial pressure. What is financial pressure? Financial pressure is simply anything that arises in a situation where money worries cause you stress. That happens often to us if we're not careful. Jesus, over and over again, he uses this word, do not worry or do not be anxious. That word actually means in the Greek, when Jesus is using this word, it's a, it's a different word than we understand. It actually means this. Don't be divided within yourself. Don't be separated. Don't, listen, it means this. Don't become unraveled. And really, this is what Jesus is saying. Is that I made you a certain way. 
body, soul, and spirit. And in your soul, mind, will, and emotions. And when all three are doing what they're supposed to do, according to my purposes, you will live a very harmonious life. It will be inseparable. You'll be an overcomer. There's nothing that can unravel you. But here's what he's saying. If you allow certain things to affect you and to change the way that you think, feel, or behave that are contrary to God, he's saying what happens is you begin actually to unravel. And again, we're going to talk about what those financial pressures are, but all of a sudden what happens is you start thinking about money different than God, and all of a sudden, you may not even feel it or know it, but all of a sudden what you're feeling is you're starting to feel tension and pressure inside. And once you do that, what begins to happen is you begin to think different, therefore you feel different, and you begin to allow certain things into your life like greed or pride or selfishness, and all of a sudden you wonder why you're so stingy and so mad, and then you're emotional, and you start fighting with your wife, and what about our money, and why are you doing those things? And all of a sudden you find yourself in this place where you become completely unraveled and mad at the world because of my finances. Right? And all of a sudden, people come to us again. They go, you know, can, can you help me put me back together again? I mean, it's just like, man, I did something wrong along the way, right? This is a powerful word. He's saying, listen, one of the greatest things, 2,000 times in the Bible... He says, if you don't treat money the way that I've told you to, this is what your life will look like. You'll just be unraveled. It's like sex. There's certain things that God says, do it this way. And if you don't, you begin to divide yourself. You begin to unravel yourself. You begin to see internal separation simply because... You thought that it was just okay. Let me just mention a couple things. There was a survey done by another company called the Anxiety and Stress Management Institute. Someone actually created this institute. But this is what they said. They said, people that are facing financial pressures, these are some side effects. Maybe if you have these things, you'll find that maybe it's due to a financial pressure. Sleepless nights. Frequent digestive ailments, unexplained weight gain or loss, inability to enjoy regular activities, anxiety or panic attacks, not always due to money, but he's saying if there's a pressure here, you'll see the unraveling come beyond just your behavior. It actually begins to think the way that you feel, the way that you act, the way that you behave, your relationships, they're listing them all. You're always thinking about money problems. You have avoidance behaviors, meaning I'm not going to even open that bill. I'm not going to even listen to it. I'm just going to avoid it all. Just someday maybe it will just go away. Self-destructive behaviors, spousal fights, controlling behaviors, criticism of one other's partner's spending habits. Do not nudge your spouse right now. So he's just saying this. You got some of those things going on it's because you're starting to unravel. There's something there you better get a handle on. 
You better overcome. What are some things that actually cause financial pressures? Here's some things that will cause them in our life that we should be aware of. Financial pressures are caused by economic factors. It could be your work environment. You go from working 40 hours to 50 hours to 60 hours to making more for maybe less return. Maybe something going on there. Maybe you're bringing your work home. It could be economic downturns where society just seems to take a downturn like 2007. And there's this impact on your house and your car and your income and you're feeling the pressures of it. It could actually be things that happen to you. Maybe, maybe your house floods. Maybe your car breaks down. It needs a $3,000 transmission. Maybe your refrigerator goes out. Maybe, you know, Something goes on that brings a pressure to you, not necessarily that you create. Here's another one too, is that financial pressures that are caused by living with financial myths. A lot of people think this way. And the very fact that they've bought into this lie, they don't know it. But what it's created in their life is financial pressure. How about this one? I will always have debt. We, we live in a society today that entices us to go buy things before we need them or don't ever need them. And we think about it, it's real easy just to get the credit card out, you know, like we're never going to have to pay that in two credit cards and four credit cards. And we just start buying stuff and get ourselves in debt because we live in an I want now consumer mentality culture. I understand that we need debt sometimes or that you could use debt for buying a home or buying a car. But the reality is God still desires that we're debt free. That even as you are growing as a, a couple or as an individual and maybe you've used debt in a certain situation, the goal still should be to be debt free. I'm working on that personally in my life. I just want in the next five to six years to be completely debt-free. I mean, I'm just throwing a bunch of money of trying to get debt out of the way. I feel that again as a new league guy here at City Bible Church. I want to take care of the debt in our properties and take care of the debt here. I mean, you think that's a good idea. Come on. God wants us to have margin. He wants us to live free from being encumbered by lending of money. Here's, a, here's another one where people have a myth on I don't have enough money to live on a budget. I don't make enough. I, I can't live on a budget. Real, listen, a budget is where you decide where your money goes versus watching where your money went. Reality is this. You all should be on a budget. If you make a dollar a month, be on a budget. Because if you spend $2 a month, it's just going to get worse. You have a certain amount of revenue. You have a certain amount of expenses. And the goal is to say, okay, God, you've given me this much. Therefore, I'm going to live within my means so that I don't get myself in trouble. That's simply called a budget. So I want to encourage you guys to think about that because that's something that we all should do. Here's another one. If I could get a raise, then I'd have margin. I just get more money. And again, the reality is, is again, I understand that a lot of people today, we're challenged, we're struggling with issues in our life, barely trying to make ends meet. However, the reality is, even if you're scraping by, unexpected financial pressure is going to come your way. So we've got to find a way to find some margin. And then lastly, some people just go, well, I'm not, you know, I'm just, I'm just going to get rich someday. 
You know, I just, you know, I play the Powerball pretty regularly. You know, mega bucks, you know, mega millions. Man, we're gonna. You know what the odds are actually of winning the Powerball? Getting struck by lightning 20 times in the same spot in one day. I mean, come on, how many people that's happened to here? I mean, just going, yeah, that happened to me three, four. There's usually 20, 30 hands. I mean, just, I mean, the reality is your odds of winning the Powerball are the same as not playing it. Let's think about that one. But let me go here, and, and this is, this is going to be a springboard to where we need to go. Financial pressure can be caused, and mostly caused, by a lack of wisdom or understanding. It's why Jesus talked about it so much. Because he knew that we would think about it wrongly or a little. That our emotions, our carnal behavior and appetites would cloud out our spiritual disciplines. He just knew that. That's why he said in Matthew 7, a little bit later on in the Sermon on the Mount, he goes, he who listens to my voice and my teachings and follows them, like obeys them, like does them, he says they're like the man that lives or builds his house on a rock. This applies not just to spiritual truths. Most importantly, he's, he's talking within the context here of this area of disciplines. It's interesting. I was reading this, this study this week, and it was on the molecular structure of oxygen and carbon monoxide. Now, I, I'm not saying that to make you think like, wow, he's just like really smart. I, just, I was just looking for a cool sermon illustration right here. So I, I came upon this, this little article that talked about how money's a lot like either oxygen or carbon monoxide. And see, you were created with these little pockets. They are made in a very specific form. And in oxygen, Adam, when you breathe in oxygen, it goes into your lungs and they find these little spots that are perfectly shaped the size of an oxygen atom. And all of a sudden you breathe it in and you go, and you're oxygenated. Oxygen gets into your blood and goes everywhere else and you can keep on thinking and living and smiling, right? Here's the challenge. Carbon monoxide is almost the exact same shape as oxygen. And if you get into a situation where you breathe in carbon monoxide, it comes and fills the same spot that the oxygen fills and actually you suffocate. And here's the challenge. You don't even know it, even if you're awake. Air's going in. But all of a sudden you realize you're being asphyxiated simply because something else took the place or filled the hole that oxygen was supposed to. It's the same way with money. This is where Jesus is going in this area. He's saying there's one place in your heart that's available for me. And he says, only one place can fill it. God, he says this in his, his teaching, or money. You can't serve both. They both can't be your God. 
You'll either serve one and deny the other, or you're gonna love one or deny it. He's just saying, listen, there's only one place in your heart to get this right. And unfortunately today, for the majority of us in here, including myself, we often forget that and we allow money to be our God versus the God himself. And so Jesus shows us a couple things that we can do, and I'm going to go through these quickly in the time that we have here. He says, let me help you understand why I've even given you a thing called resource. Why is this even created? Why in in God's creation, he created this thing called resource and money. Why, why do we even get from him these things? For what? And he comes back and he gives us these, these four key principles. The first thing he says is this. Evaluate and change your heart. This is where he starts. I mean, this is why this is so challenging is we, we were caught up in this mindset that our earthly possessions are so significant to our happiness. We live in a world that tells us that and we spend a third of our life earning money, another third of our life spending it, another third of our life dreaming about it. And he says this, he says, Don't store up your treasures here on earth. What I give you, don't spend them all on things that are gonna rust, that moths are gonna eat. Don't spend them here. He says, put them in a place, kingdom of God, where they won't get eaten. And he says this, listen. Where your treasure is, so your heart will be also. He doesn't say this, and a lot, of, a lot of people misquote this. He doesn't say, where your heart is, there's your treasure. Like, okay, I really love this, therefore I'm gonna give my money to it. Listen, he says it different. He says, where your money is, your heart follows. Let me, let me ask you right now. Open up your checkbook, look at your bank account. Where do you spend all your money it's where your passions follow. He says, if that's where you're putting all of your stuff in your second homes and cars and boats or entertainment or going to the movie 20 times a week or eating out, wherever you put your money, that's what you're passionate about because that's where your treasure is. This is real important right here. He's trying to give us a perspective that we live in this this realm in which we think so natural, so temporal, so earthly. He says, if you live there, you will never have enough. You will always feel pressure. You'll always invest in the wrong thing. And when it's all said and done and you stand before me, you will have nothing to show for your life because you simply had your treasure in a wrong thing. It's what Jesus is saying here. I I read this quote by Stephen King. He said this, this, this is powerful. He says, a couple of years ago, I found out what you can't take it all with you really means. I found while I was lying in a ditch at the side of a country road, covered with mud and blood, 
with my tibia of my right leg poking out through the side of my jeans from a car wreck. It was like a branch tree taken down in a thunderstorm. I had a MasterCard in my wallet, but when you're lying in a ditch with broken glass in your hair, no one accepts MasterCard. No one cares about my IRA. And he says this, we come in naked and broke. We will leave the same. We leave broke. He says, Warren Buffett, going out broke. Bill Gates, bankrupt, going out broke. Tom Hanks, going out broke. Stephen King, speaking of himself, broke not a crying dime. He says, all the money you earn, all the stocks you buy, all the mutual funds you trade, all that is mostly smoke and mirrors, it's still going to be a quarter past getting late whether you tell the time on your Timex or your Rolex. So what I want you to consider is making your life one long gift to another. And why not? All you have is on loan anyways. All that lasts is what you pass on. Here, here's where Jesus, just, just, just stick with me, please. We don't want to hear this because it touches the things we absolutely like the most. This is all Jesus is saying. If you actually want to get through your financial pressure challenges, start by changing your heart. That's all he's saying. He says, if not, let me know how it works for you. It's kind of what he's saying. Just, just, just let me know how it works for you. He takes it one step further. And he says, if you get your heart right, the next thing that you need to do is to change and clarify your focus. And he begins to talk about the eyes. And he says, listen, your, your, your eye is the light to the body. And he says, if your eye is good, everything is good. This is what he's saying. If you're focused on the right thing, everything else comes together, comes in order. But if your eye is focused in the wrong thing, darkness, he says, everything is bad. And worst case scenario is you're actually looking at dark and thinking that it's light. He says, whoa, how dark that actually is because you're totally deceived thinking that the bald-headed guy up front is just a whack job giving some kind of funny truth. He's saying this. Once you get your heart right, you've got to look at what does the word of God say about your resources, realize God is a big God. He's been doing it a long time. He's pretty good at it. And he knows what works and doesn't work. And so our focus needs to be where we recognize that number one is that our money was given to us to help forward the kingdom of God. And the Bible talks about that we give something to God because he gave it to us. That's just real simple. Second of all is to meet our needs. He wants to meet your needs. He gives you money to help meet the needs of others. He gives you money to help your children in an inheritance. And he also gives you money for enjoyment. But it seems to always fall last on the list, not first on the list. And so he's saying, this is why I gave you everything that I've given you. So here's what he says. Number one, get your heart right. 
Number two, understand what I really say about money and align your life here. And then he says this, reprioritize your life. If what you're doing doesn't align, change. When I think about this whole area of reprioritizing your life, I I go back to the one scripture where Jesus says, seek the kingdom of God above all things. And he goes on and he says this, and live righteously. In other words, live right, live truthfully. Then all these things will be added unto you. I want to encourage every person here, and I'm going to get extremely practical, especially this service filled with hundreds and hundreds of young people. Let me double dog dare you to get on a budget, to just start today. Just say, I'm going to get on a budget. I'm going to take the challenge and I'm going to do it. I remember when I was 26 years old, My wife and I had just bought our new Honda Accord hatchback on credit, by the way. We had a couple credit cards, went to two to three, we're buying all the good stuff, the furniture and the TVs. And a good friend of mine that actually is uh, the guy that was very responsible for discipling us and pouring into our life, his name was Mike Shreve. He says, I'm going to challenge you. I said, okay. He said, I'm going to challenge you to go on a budget. I said, wow, you know, we're doing pretty good. He says, no, here's what we're going to do. If you go on a budget and stay on that budget for one year, I'll build you a house and sell it to you for cost. I'm game, right? Come on. Yeah, okay, you got my attention. And we just did that. We spent a year thinking that we were doing that to get the house. But what he did is he built a discipline in us. To this day, I still live by an envelope system. I thought it was a restrictor. It became a liberator. I used a, a program called um, Envelopes. It's, it's online. Thank you, Envelopes. You can pay me later. Um, but, you know, Envelopes is a great thing. Mint.com if you want to do something online. We did something else. We put together a one-page budget sheet. When you leave here, it's just sitting on the table. At least do this for me. Take this, sit at home and go, okay, I make this much, okay, I spend this much, laundry, gas. Ladies, there's a big thing on clothes, it's bolded with letters. And you, you, can, you can write all those things down and just look at, am I living within my means? How many think this is a good idea? It's just so simple. When you do this, here, here's, here's the thing that I want to challenge you with too, and these are just a couple thoughts just to think about in the area of budget. The best way that you can budget is build what's called a 70-30 plan. Again, if you do this, when you look at all of your financial challenges and future and maybe social security's not around, there's a lot of factors where this really makes sense. You start 10% is for God, simply because he says it's his and he wants it back. Start there. And I remember being challenged when I was young to tithe. And I remember the, the, the pastor told me, if you don't see anything better in your life after 90 days, we'll give you your money back. I wasn't going to because my life was better. Come on, how many people here have started tithing and you say, my life's worth, worse? Your life is worse. <laughs> You're gonna ruin my, my sermon illustration, Cavi. Come on, seriously, you started tithing and your life is now worse. Let me see your hand. Look around the room. 
Either that's A, I'm right, or B, no one ties. One of the two, but I'm just... <laughs> but here's the reality. Give God a chance. Double dog dare God to, he says, to test you in this. Here's the second thing. 10% goes to savings. Start by getting a three-month emergency fund because your car's gonna have problems, your refrigerator's gonna go out, you're gonna have a medical issue, and if you don't, you'll go to debt. So put money away to save. Third is invest in your future, 10%. And again, the reality is, is that there may be, again, you're only at a place where you can do 1%. Start with 1%, but put something away. If you're in your 20s and you put $100 a week until you're at the age 35, you'll have a million dollars when you retire. If you wait until you're 40, you have to put $10,000 a month and you'll have far less than that. Start now. And then 70% is to live within your means. Just think about those numbers and think about this. I know it's highly practical, but please, what would it look like if all of us lived without the financial pressure that we all face? If you've got debt, do a thing called snowball debt principle where you pay off one debt and then as soon as it's paid off, you take that payment plus the other payment and you double up on the next one and then triple up on the next one till you get rid of all your debt and make a commitment. Say, no, I'm gonna do this. We're gonna do this as a couple. We're gonna pay off our debt. We're gonna have margin to be able to do something great for God. Amen? And lastly. You guys all right? Is this helpful? I hope so. Here's the last thing here. Rest in God's highest value of you. Jesus says this. Look at the birds. When you go out today, look at the birds. And he begins to talk about the birds and how he provides for them. And then he goes on and he says this. Aren't you more valuable than they are? He's saying this to you. You're valuable. I love you. I want to care for you. I want to meet all of your needs. I desire to bless you. Everything is set up for you to receive. But here's the condition. You just need to align to what I'm saying. Somehow we pray these prayers. Lord, let me win the lotto. He's going, no, just first of all, get some stuff aligned. He's no respecter of persons. He loves us all the same. Here's the challenge that we face, if I could have the band of the platform, is that God can't bless something that's contrary to his word. And so if we choose to live in a different way, asking God to bless it, we've only fooled ourselves. That's what he was saying. If your eye is looking at dark and you think it's light, he says, how dark that really is. He says, you've got it all messed up. If you just simply align and do what I say, just change your heart and your focus and your priorities, I can come then and open up the floodgates of heaven in your life. Why? Because you're valuable and I care for you. My prayer is for all of us this morning. Is that God would just speak to us. And that he'd help us as a church family 
for every single one of us just to just come to that place and just say, God, God, once and for all, Lord, help me to get this right in my life. The reality is if you don't, you'll face financial pressures all the rest of your life. And that isn't very fun. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? I, I, I just felt quickened to pray for anybody here that's just in a a financial pressure cooker. You just feel like you can't get ahead and you feel like you're overwhelmed or maybe you're looking for a job or maybe you're just like bombarded with just insurmountable amount of debt or medical bills and you're saying, God, today... God, I need you to show up in my life. God, to help me. Give me revelation, wisdom, discipline, whatever it is, to turn this around. If that's you, would you just lift your hand? Say, Mark, you're speaking to me. Just put it up. Keep it up. There's nothing to be embarrassed about. And there's hands all over the place. Father, we thank you. God, for... Lord, every single person that's raising their hand today, Lord, I pray, and if you see someone with their hand up, maybe just reach your hand and put it on their shoulder or just let them know you're beside them. And let's just, come on. Lord, you come and you help them today. God, I pray that you give them wisdom, give them strength, give them revelation. God, you help them. God, even with this simple budget sheet to take a look at where they're at and to make Lord, some priority changes. Father, we're praying that as they do that, that you would bring favor and blessing and supernatural provision their way, God. And we thank you for that, Lord. I touch them right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I also just wanted to take a moment. I just felt quickened to pray for businesses. Pray for people in the marketplace, people that... You just, you're asking God to bring more provision in your life. Just if you're a business owner or you're, you know, professional or working in the marketplace and you just want to raise. I mean, okay, here goes all the hands. Come on. Let's just pray and believe right now. Father, we thank you for every person, Lord God, that owns businesses, that are professionals, that are in the marketplace. God, we pray your favor be upon them, your blessing be upon them. Lord, we pray that you bring increase, God, that they may be able to do great things for you in the mighty name of Jesus. And Father, we pray together for our church family. Lord, I think about all the challenges that we face, all of the vision that's in front of us. Lord, all of the opportunities. God, would you help this church? God, you would help us, God, to apply these principles to our life. God, even in the removing of debt. And God, that you would bring supernatural provision our way. Lord, that we can continue to reach the nations for your glory. And Lord, we ask these things in the mighty name of Jesus. Come on, if you got something out of that this morning, put your hands together for the Lord. Come on. Amen.